week it was hope. This week it's peace. Say that with me, peace. One of the dreams and hopes of everyone is peace on earth. I received a uh, prayer request right before, or dur actually during service, for Cameron, Cameroon, Africa, which is in a civil war right now. And countless people are being murdered. An American missionary has been murdered. And how many of you believe that God's still able to bring peace? Amen. Amen. I, I want us to take a moment before I start this message and just pray, not just for Cameroon, but to pray for the peace in your life and the circumstances you're facing. Would you do that with me right now? Would you mind standing with me for a moment? Father, we come to you thanking you for your peace. God, in asking, Lord, that you would reach out across the waters, Father, Lord, to every continent, every nation, and let your peace settle into the hearts of people there. We recognize that your peace is different from world peace. God, and we just look to you and ask in the midst of chaos that you wrap your arms around us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> peace is something that uh, we talk about. We have, you know, back in the 70s, how many of you remember that? You know, it was, for those of you that don't know that, that sign language, it's peace, peace out. <laughs> and so we, we looked for peace and it's, we, they, they made a fortune off of peace signs, but you know, symbols don't make it real in your heart. And what I want to talk to you about today is the power of peace. Everybody say the power of peace. Now, right before Kathy sang, she talked about grace does a lot more than just forgive, that it, it's able to set free, it's able to break free. What you have to understand is that when you ask Christ into your heart, everything that he has comes with him. And he wants you to experience that life. That's why he said, I came that you could have life and have it how? Have it more abundant. I mean, we know how to have life, right? How many of you ever thought you were really living it up? You remember those times I'm talking about, you know, where you thought you were really living it up? I had guys that I was working with and they'd come in and talk about what a great weekend they had. They woke up and they didn't know where they were. And I thought, that's your definition of great? <laughs> and and they, they talk about how sick they got because of how much they drank. And I thought, obviously, we've got two different worlds that we live in. Problem is, is sometimes our world's a little too quiet. I mean, they, 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 they were real big about coming in and talking about how drunk they got. So I decided one Monday morning I'd come in and talk about how drunk I got. And I came in and I looked at him. I said, man, you all should have been at service last night. We had people laid out all over the floor. Their eyes got about that big. And I started talking to them about the power of God that's real. 
about the Spirit of God that desires. Think about it. If all there is to God is our routines and rituals, then that's not God at all. If all there is to God is coming in and look, and I, I don't have anything against written prayers or things like that. That's fine and wonderful. But until you pray a prayer from your heart, all you're doing is saying words. It's got to come from inside of you. Everybody say from the inside out. And so when you begin to ask God for his peace and his joy and his spirit, that, that changes everything. The power of peace. In the book of Isaiah, there's a promise of peace, a prophecy that comes. And just to give you the setting, this is in the ninth chapter of Isaiah. And Isaiah has been talking to them about an impending judgment that's coming because of their disobedience. But he promises that that won't last forever, that they're going to be brighter days. How many of you have had some dark days? You know, you just don't get through life without them, do you? Some days where things aren't going the way that you would like for them to go. But there's a promise of brighter days. As a matter of fact, the psalmist put it this way. He said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. What's he saying? He's saying that there are brighter days ahead. And that's what Isaiah's prophecy is about brighter days that are ahead. Listen to what he says. Now, keep in mind that, that he's already told them, look, there's some stuff getting ready to happen. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, there's some stuff that happens. That there's some things that happen in your life that you can't, look, you may not have, how can I say this? Some of the stuff you go through is because you caused it. Amen. Amen. Look, if you're not willing to lay ownership to it, then you ne it's never going to get better. Some things you go through because, or let me put it this way, some things we go through because we caused it. But there are other things that we go through that we had nothing to do with. There are some things that we experience or that we, we endure because of somebody else's choices and not our own. It's like when, you know, they decide to raise taxes. That, I didn't have anything to do with that. Wasn't my idea. But I become a victim of it. Or maybe I shouldn't use the word victim. I, I, become, I become the, I, I end up having to be a part of it. So there are some things that happen that you can't control. But you need to know this, that when everything else is spun out of control, God is still in control. Amen. He's still in control. So here's what the prophet does. He, he tells them about the things that are getting ready to happen. But then he tells him, this isn't going to last forever. That God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And he begins to break it to him like this. He says, for unto us, this is Isaiah 9 and 6, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Now check this out. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. The last thing you're thinking about with a newborn baby, Melissa, when you had that pretty little baby, the last thing you thought about was putting all your problems on his shoulders. As a matter of fact, that, that runs contrary to how we even think. 
we, we're thinking, no, I want to make sure that he doesn't have any problems. I want to make, but here, this child is born, given to us for a specific purpose and reason. And it says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What's he saying? Isaiah's letting you know that there's an infant that's going to come into your life that's going to do more than you ever dreamed was possible. He's on his way. He's wonderful. Well, every little baby's wonderful. He's a counselor. I've yet to met a baby that I sat down to take counsel with. He's a mighty God. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like children and act like they are. <laughs> the Prince of Peace. When a baby starts crying, the last thing you're thinking about is peace, huh? But what Isaiah is saying is this child isn't like any ordinary child. This child is God manifest in flesh. This child has been packed full of the Spirit of God without measure. I was sharing with my class the other day. People said, well, how in the world could that be God manifest in flesh and then come to the earth and, and, and did God leave heaven? No, God's an omnipresent spirit. People make the mistake by trying to make God a man. God's an omnipresent spirit. So this is my illustration for you to get. Think about this. Look, you're standing in front of an ocean. And as far as you can see, all you can see is water, the ocean. And then all of a sudden you take a cup and you dip it down in that water. And what you hold in that cup is 100% ocean. But look in front of you. You haven't depleted the supply. So God manifests himself in flesh in Christ his son while he's still filling heaven. What's he doing? He's doing the unthinkable. He's going to become man so that men can relate to him. Everybody say, Prince of Peace. I read a story about a doctor. This was back in the early part of the 1900s. And this doctor believed, you know, back then they, they, they put everybody out when they were doing the operation. They had anesthetic and they, they would put you under. But this doctor believed that, you, that for some operations you could use just local anesthesia, just local anesthetic. And so he was, it, it sounded good in theory, but the problem was he couldn't find anybody willing to volunteer to find out if it worked. I mean, nobody wanted to be awake while they're cutting you open. And so all of a sudden the doctor found someone that was willing and, and he performed an apodectomy on him did just local anesthetic. And the patient complained of just minor discomfort. He said, everything went well. They asked the doctor, well, who was the patient? He said, I was. The doctor performed an operation on himself. Hear it this way. The doctor became the patient so the patient could trust the doctor. God became man so man could learn how to trust God. 
He's been tempted in all life. Do you think that Jesus never experienced depression? Do you think that he never experienced frustration? Do you think that there was never days that fear tried to grab his heart? He's in the garden saying, Father, there's any way, let this cup pass from me. What's he doing? He's taking on everything that you and I have to take on so we can live in peace because he's the prince of it. And so he comes to us. Isaiah tells about him. His, in verse 7, his government and its peace will never end. It doesn't matter what you're going through. His government and his peace don't end where your problems begin. His government and peace do not take a vacation when you're going through something. His government and peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. My friend, that is the power of peace. Amen. When he's able to cause us to be at peace. You ever see a child crying, I mean just bawling, and all of a sudden mama picked that child up, and when mama picked that child up and just held that child, that child quieted down, and all of a sudden he's, he's just at peace. And why is he able to do that? Because he trusts the hands that hold him. He knows that God is taking care of his situation, Amen. that God has him at peace. I'll be with you. Scripture tells us in Luke the fulfillment of this prophecy it says and suddenly there was an angel with a multitude of a heavenly host praising God saying glory to God in the highest and on peace and on earth peace goodwill toward men we hear that a lot we read it a lot but I thought today maybe it might help if you just got to see it and see possibly just how those shepherds may have reacted. Man has worked the field since his fall, by beast or by crop, in plenty and in drought. He must tame the land or be tamed by it. The shepherd knows this well. He is a keeper. He is a guardian. He is a guide. And his flock, aimless in all their attempts, pulls him far away to chase their fickle hearts. How peculiar it is that God omnipotent would take the post of a shepherd. Don't be afraid. 
For I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, has been born this night in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find the babe wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. A baby? A manger? So the shepherds left their flock and hurried to the village of Bethlehem. In society's eyes, shepherds should not be the first ones to greet the king of kings. But isn't that just like the creator of the universe? He uses lowly people to do amazing things for his glory. So I, I want you to go ahead. I want you to think about this for a second. That, did you notice the change of the disposition of the shepherds? As they ran and they heard that multitude of angels singing, glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill toward men. They began to laugh as they ran, and I, when I saw that, I thought, is it possible that in that moment they realized that everything that had worried them, everything that had bothered them, everything that was weighing on them, in that moment they realized he had come to lift it off of them, that there was peace on earth, that they didn't have to carry it any longer. And so it is with us is that once we get that, once we understand, he didn't say peace in the earth. That's why there's civil war in Cameroon. He didn't say that peace in the nations. He said that he can bring peace among the nations. What's he talking about? He's talking about that when you open your heart and you let him come into your heart, what are you made out of? He did what? He stooped down and he got some earth in his hand. He got some dust in his hand. He, and so there's peace on earth now. Do you understand that when you accept him, he comes into your heart and that earth that you're made of begins to experience peace in a way that it never knew because he said, my peace I give to you, not peace to, like the world gives. 
And so it's an oddity that things can be happening around you and you can still experience peace. Everyone say it with me, peace. Things don't always happen the way we expect them to, do they? How many of you have ever had something that in your, your thinking just went completely wrong? How many of you have ever had something planned out and then in the midst of your plan and, and you had it all mapped out and it was, it was a good plan, but it just didn't work quite the way you expected it to? Right, you know, that car that you got for $99.99. Great idea, great plan. Man, if I can, man, if this, the only problem was that you found out there was no engine in it. And so you, you got everything looked good, but it's what's on the inside that makes the difference. And so it looked good on the outside, but there was nothing on the inside to make it go. We do pretty good at that, don't we? Come to church with a smile on our face. Hey, praise God. How are you doing? How are you? I'm highly favored and blessed to God. Isn't that the standard reply? I'm, is, uh, uh, how are things in you? Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, and then you go home and cry. Because your world's coming apart. Can I tell you that God's not interested in fluff and stuff? God's not interested in us trying to put on a good face. He just wants us to come to him with a transparent heart. And when you come to him with a transparent heart, he can change things. Everybody say, it wasn't what I expected. Well, no, never mind. Can I tell that story? First time you cooked chicken. Wasn't quite what I expected. 16 years old at the time. I knew something. It would look great on the outside, honey. But when I heard it cluck, when I stuck it... Oh, you wouldn't admit I look, and I'll be honest with you. If I'd done it, it wouldn't even look good on the outside. But what I'm saying is that sometimes there's things that it, it looks good, and, and, but when we get into the middle of it, then it, it's not what we expected, so we're ready to give up. Hear me. Just because it's not what you expected doesn't mean that God's made a mistake. Just because it's not what you expected doesn't mean that God's not going to do it. He may just not going to do it the way you thought he was going to do it or the way you felt like he ought to do it. And so the book of Haggai tells us about this. The prophet comes out, this is, and, and he's talking about the old temple had been destroyed, Solomon's temple. New temple has been built, and here's the conversation that's going on. It's through a word of prophecy through Haggai. Does anyone remember this house, this temple in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. Now listen to what God says. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord. 
the future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. He said, in this place, I'll bring peace. They had seen Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple was so awe-inspiring that when the queen of the south came, when the queen of Sheba saw it, she just, she had no, she just passed, man. I mean, she, you know, just fell out because she, she, her spirit was gone from her. She just, wow. And, 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 and couldn't, you know, the splendor. And that now this one doesn't look near as nice. As a matter of fact, the second, the second temple, the one that they built, is still Herod's temple considered to be the second temple, but they built on that foundation. And so they're looking at this, and, and, and it seems like nothing to them, but God had given them a word that I'm telling you that this latter temple is going to be greater than the former temple, that what's getting ready to happen is going to be better than what's already happened. And so there, you remember what happened when Jesus walked into the temple and they're all looking at the fixtures of it and the rocks and the buildings of the temple and they're trying to get Jesus to go back and look at him. And Jesus made the statement, said there won't be one stone left upon another that won't be thrown down. And they're, trying, they're getting all weirded out. They're thinking, man, you, you, that's the temple, that's the temple. But Jesus walked in and this is what he said to him. He said, you destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. And everybody missed what he just said. What are you talking about? He was saying, you think that this temple something, the temple that God was speaking of isn't made with brick and stone. He, my friend, was the temple. He said, you destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it back up. And how many of you know that the glory of that temple was greater than any temple we'd ever seen? But because it's not what we expected, it's not what we were anticipating, we tend to draw back from it and we, we hide ourselves from it. He came here. They were expecting him to establish an earthly kingdom. But the kingdom he would establish was so much greater than earth, any earthly kingdom they'd ever seen. He tells them before he leaves, he said, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. How many of you, now let's be honest, you don't have to raise your hand, but let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been afraid? And he, he says, my peace, I leave with you. Not like the world. You know, how many, how many of you were alive in the 60s? Hold your hand up if you were alive in the 60s. Those, some of you were going, the 60s, what was that? In the 60s, we had something that was called the October Missile Crisis. Remember? where Russia had moved nuclear warheads or was in the process of moving warheads to Cuba, 90 miles from us. And President Kennedy and Khrushchev squared off. 
And the president called for an invasion of Cuba if those did not leave. And the whole world just kind of hung there looking. That's the kind of peace the world gives. You be my friend or else. You do what I say or else. We, I mean, think about it. You know, you get held up. Somebody's got a gun, holds you up, says, give me your wallet. They're going, emptying out your wallet. They look at you and say, you know, now I still want to be friends. (laughs) I don't think that's going to (laughs) happen. Why? Because that's not built on the right foundation. But what Jesus does is he offers a peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't make sense that you could have peace when there's so much chaos happening around you. How can you have peace when everything around you seems to be falling apart? This is how it happens. You allow him to saturate you with his spirit. And so when he saturates you with his Holy Spirit, and then all of a sudden everything around you is going apart, you're standing in the middle of it still calm because you know that the one that holds you is greater than that that's happening around you. Let me, let me end it today like this. The peace that we experience is only going to be superficial unless we find a relationship with him. A real heart. I didn't say unless we go to church. Unless we find a relationship with him. I watch some, I've seen some of the most faithful people, devoted people you can imagine. But the question became, what were they devoted to? I watched people in Russia stand in bitter cold temperatures for hours in hopes that someone was going to come by and sprinkle them with some water during the week of baptism. And I looked at that and I thought, God, if we could get that kind of commitment and dedication in our hearts and in our lives, what would happen? What would happen? Let me ask a question. Don't anybody get offended. Don't raise your hand on this. How many of you in here determine whether or not you're going to go to church by how cold it is outside? I really must stay. You need to go away. Are you with me? You know, baby, it's cold outside. We, we talk about how much we love God. It's kind of like the story I heard about the guy who was writing his sweetheart a letter. And he said, honey, he said, I love you with all my heart. He said, I'd climb the highest mountain. I'd cross the hottest desert. I'd swim the deepest ocean to get to you. And I'll see you Saturday night if it doesn't rain. <laughs> Somehow, that doesn't quite weigh out, does it? Doesn't quite measure. See, what I'm talking about is relationship. Relationship that goes more than just skin deep. That's, that, you know, the first time I saw Debbie, what attracted me to her was not her personality. Now, stay with me because I didn't even know her yet. I just saw her. And one of my friends said, hey, you want to meet her? Well, yeah. 
Well, why did you want to meet her? Because I knew the depth of the spirit that she had. No, I could tell what she looked like. And she looking good. And so I wanted to meet her. And, you know, and, and then her sisters write notes in church to her. Oh, she's lip-seeking, lip-syncing to her and going, pointing at me. I used to look real good, folks. <laughs> pointing at me and, and, and going, I think that's the one. I think that's the one. None of that was anything but surface. But when we got to know each other, we fell in love. It's great that you come to church. But my hope for you is that you'd get to know him. Because if you get to know him, I know what's going to happen. You're going to fall head over heels in love with him. It's going to change everything about you. It's going to change the way you talk. It's going to change the way you think. It's going to change everything when you get to know him. But I went to church for some time before I ever really got to know him. When you're saturated with his spirit, it changes you. So my question is, how much peace do you want today? Do you want to leave this place? And then how many of you had an argument before you got here? Don't wave your hand. Don't wave your hand. Do you think that the devil takes a vacation on Sunday morning? You're all dressed and you're in the car waiting for your spouse. I didn't say husband or wife, I just said spouse. Do you see what time it is? You're holding your hand up out the window of the car with your watch like she can read it in the house do you do you see what time it is they get in you get in the car and as you're going i can't believe you always make us late you always make us late you always make us late and then you walk in the church yeah praise god how are you it's so wonderful it's so good to see you you know what i'm talking about and if we're not careful that begins to bleed into how we know him. He doesn't want that from us. He wants us to be able to come to him with our deepest hurts and say, God, help me. He wants us to be able to come to him with our greatest fears and say, God, free me. He doesn't turn you away when you've got stuff going on in your life that you can't get straightened out. That's why he came. He didn't come because we were perfect and we had it all together. He came because he saw we were falling apart and we needed a Savior. So he stepped into the world to rescue us. And then he said, now you can come boldly before the throne of grace. Let me, let me end this, this way today and, and I, and so that you get this. There's a story of a 
passenger ship that was on the sea and a storm had hit. And it was rocking that ship back and forth. Men, women, and children alike were running across that deck screaming for fear that at any moment they were going to be capsized and they would all perish and die. It's not like it couldn't happen. You ever hear of the Titanic? I went in, I, I, in Canada, I walked through a cemetery that was filled with passengers that were on that ship. Do you know why? Because that was the closest place to bury them. And then all of a sudden, a vessel that was supposed to be trusted became a death trap. These people were running around fearful, didn't know what to do, and trying to find their families because they knew that any moment it was all going to end for them. And in the middle of all that turmoil, a man spots a young boy sitting in the middle of the deck with his eyes fixed on a porthole window in a door. He's just staring through that, that porthole. And the man ran up to him and he said, son, what's wrong with you? Don't you understand the trouble we're in? Don't you know that we could die at any moment? What are you doing stand or what are you doing sitting in the middle of this deck? And the young boy just looked at him and smiled and he pointed to the porthole. The man looked at the porthole and when he looked through the window, he saw the captain of the ship. And every time a wave hit that vessel, his steady hand would bring it back on course. And the man watched for a moment as wave after wave challenged him. But not one time did the captain ever let go of the wheel. Not one time did the captain ever look panic or fearful. And the young boy looked at the man and he said, that's my daddy. And I've seen, him, I've seen him bring this ship through a whole lot worse than this. So in the middle of chaos, there was calm. In the middle of perplexity, there was peace. Why? Because he had a relationship with the one that was piloting the ship. How about you? How's your relationship with God doing? It's not a challenge to you, it's an invitation. You don't have to stay where you're at. It can change. All you have to do is say, Lord, here I am. And even if you know him, let me just ask this question. How many of you have known someone that you love very much, but over time you drifted away circumstances situations location had to make a move had to change jobs had to, and before you know it you're drifting apart and your story becomes the story of the older couple driving down the road in the truck 
saw a young couple in front of them in one of those little sports cars. And those two young people were sitting so close together, you couldn't have got a piece of paper between them. She looked over at him and she slapped him and said, look at them. And he looked up and he said, yeah. She said, look at us. And he looked and he turned over and he looked at her and said, honey, I'm in the same seat I've always been in. You're the one that moved. God is where God has always been. But sometimes our circumstances, our situations, we find ourselves drifting across the seat a little further than we ought to be. Don't you think it's time we bring it back home so we can have peace on earth, <laughs> peace in our hearts and peace in our homes? Kids used to bring friends to our house and one of the things that they would always say is they would look at our children and they would they'd tell our son and daughter, they'd say, I love coming to your house. There's so much peace there. That peace wasn't there by accident. It was there because Debbie and I chose peace. Well, don't you ever have an argument? Well, sure we have. Haven't you ever had a disagreement? Sure we have. But when your compass is His Word and your heart is filled with His Spirit, He'll always get you back home where you need to be. Would you stand with me today? I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come up, and this is what I'm asking of you. If you're in this house today and you want peace, you want peace in your heart. You want peace in your life. You know, God, that somehow peace has slipped from you. You love God, but somehow peace has gotten out of your grasp. Why not come home? Why not fix your eyes on the captain of the ship? and let him saturate you with his spirit. Do you ever have, have a dry spell and then all of a sudden a rain comes and it's not, it's not a gully washer. It's not one that comes down real hard, real fast and it's over. It's one that settles in and it just keeps coming and it just keeps coming and it just keeps coming until it has finally saturated the ground and the trees are drinking it up and the flowers are drinking it in. And well, when the sun shines again, everything looks better. Everything looks brighter. It even smells better outside. You ready for that kind of rain? Today, I'm gonna to invite you to come and let his spirit just saturate you just take a moment and stay in his presence and let it come down and saturate your situation. Let it soak in to what you're going through so you don't find yourself going through it alone. Amen.
And I want you to hear me on this part, and we're going to pray. I hope to goodness that you're not in the building today thinking you're the only one that's ever faced what you're facing. If scars could tell a story, you'd find out that you're sitting next to people that have been where you were, been where you are, but somehow found hope and found joy and found peace. Why? Because they found Jesus.